All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Hello again, and welcome to Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror. I'm Screwhead Dan. And I'm Screwhead Andrew. And we're here once again to dissect this member and discuss horror movies. Today's horror movie is going to be the 1981 slasher flick um, starring uh, George Constanza himself. Well, not even starring, but he's in it. He's in it. Uh, Jason Alexander is in this one. He's the star, don't you lie? <laughs> he's the best part of this movie. He is the best part of this movie. That is true. Um, I, I was actually looking at the Wikipedia summary for this just beforehand, just to kind of refamiliarize myself with the plot because I watched it a few days ago, and I was just like, "Wait a second, okay, so he plays Dave. I'm going to control F Dave in the plot summary. Oh, he doesn't even appear in the plot summary. Okay, <laughs> that's great." Anyway, uh, yeah, so we are a horror movie podcast. Uh, every so often we get together for an episode, talk about a horror movie, discuss horror movie news, uh, and yeah, y- you know what we are here for. We're, we're pretty basic in terms of what we do here. Anyway, Andrew, how are you doing? I, I am doing great, man. You know, it's, it's almost uh, Halloween-ish, not Halloween, you know, the month of Halloween. It's almost uh, October. So, you know, I'm pretty, pretty, doing, doing pretty good. Yeah. How about yourself? We're doing good. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing really, really good. I'm excited about some of the plans we have for Halloween coming on up in terms of the movies we have um, an idea for. So, yeah, we're, we're still getting this down, but I am fully in the Halloween spirit. I saw a live band performance of the Rocky Horror Picture Show last night. Um, that was really cool. So basically, it wasn't your typical Rocky Horror experience in terms of there's the screen, and then there's actors, and then people shout out stuff and throw toast and rice and shit around. Uh, no, this one was an actual live band. Every single member of the band dressed up as a character from the show, uh, show, and they sang the entire soundtrack in chronological order. Um, and then in between, they basically acted out the scenes um, in like a little condensed version. But it was a lot of fun. Um, there was still a lot of shouting back and forth, you know, like when Tim Curry says, and Tisha, and then everyone says, say it, and then he goes, patient, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, they do a lot of stuff. Or, or my favorite joke in the entire movie, where at the very, very end, um, <laughs> Riff Raff says, say goodbye to all of this. And then everyone shouts out, goodbye, all of this. <laughs> That's my favorite. Anyway, uh, that was a lot of fun. It was pretty good. Uh, yeah, so I am definitely in the Rocky Horse beer for Halloween. I got my Halloween costume, and also I have just booked tickets to Evil Dead the Musical, uh, which I'm Woo-hoo. going to see at the end of October. I'm going to try and give a shout out to these people because I can't remember their exact name. Let me see if I can find them real quick in terms of the tickets. The Actors Theater of the City I'm In, which I probably shouldn't say but anyway the actress theater uh they're putting on the evil dead the musical and it is going to be the last show they ever do because unfortunately they are going to be shutting down so i am yeah a little bit sad about that but i booked tickets i got the splash zone and i'm excited about it yeah boy so what are you doing to get in the halloween spirit uh, I don't know. Uh, I, actually, I just saw um, that movie I've been talking about for Barbarian uh, mm-hmm. last last Friday. How was that? I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. It's The first half is, is like, I feel like more classic horror, and the second half I feel kind of like, 
yeah, Justin Long is, is in it. He's in the trailer. So that's not a reveal. But like, it almost kind of felt tusky to a degree, but not as not as dumb. Uh, like, still, it's kind of scary to a degree. Um, but I, I think it's a really fun movie. Like, I think it's like one of those movies where the first half is kind of scary and the second half is kind of like a fun scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like perfect kind of for the Halloween uh, era. Um, but I, I had a really good time with it. Good, good. But I don't think I'm doing anything else for Halloween other than, you know, I know we talked about some kind of coming up movies uh, possibly. Um, I haven't really talked about with Lindsay about our Halloween costumes yet, but you know, oh, that's gosh. something you got to think about at some point. Yeah, yeah, no, no. My, my partner and I, we already have ours, so you got to get on it. Remember that one I mean, year... I, I, where I dressed up as Wreck-It Ralph and you dressed up as Fix-It Felix and, like, we didn't communicate at all. I just sent you a picture of it <laughs> and then you were just like, dude! And then you sent me a picture of you and Fix-It Felix and I was just like, yes, this is why we're friends. <laughs> yeah. That was, you know, it was, it was the best couple cosplay from, you know, uh, across the, the country. Yeah, the best accidental <laughs> couple cosplay. It was great. Uh, I Actually, I wore that to work because uh, uh, back when I was teaching, and, uh, you know, not many teachers wear a Halloween costume, but, uh, but I was surprised, you know, a lot of teachers have kids, like, Fix-It Felix, and I was like, yeah! Like, <laughs> uh, and a lot of my kids are like, who the hell is this? And I'm like, all right, so all the teachers know who this is, because we all, you know, like good movies, and all the kids are like, what, what is this? this isn't TikTok? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. They're, they're, I, I, I think I said, when I, I started this new company about a year ago, and my coworkers, when I first started on that particular team, they were all like early 20s, uh, Gen Z, TikTok influencer generation. And that was like the very first time in my life where I genuinely felt like, oh my God, I am in, I'm getting old. <laughs> like this is, <laughs> I am in the wrong generation or not, not, no, I'm not even in the wrong generation because I was, most of them I found irritating, but I was just like, oh God, I... I'm so old that yeah, there's a general there's a generational gap here. That's basically what I was thinking. Uh, That's really sad. Yeah, it was. But then I got to know a lot of them, and most of them were pretty cool. And the ones who were not cool actually left the company. So I'm like, yay. So you weed out the good and the bad, and then you tell them to leave. Yeah. Well, no, I, I had no say in that. But uh, no, uh, I, I found a better sure. place in my company, sure. and it's pretty good right now. But yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So do you want to go ahead and start? Uh, this movie was your idea, I believe. So do you want to go ahead and introduce it? Yeah, totally, yeah. Oh, yeah, so uh, do we even say what we're doing yet? Uh, yeah, we did. We? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so we're doing uh, The Burning, um, uh, which is, when was this released? 1981. Uh, this was a 1981 slasher film. Um, I first heard of this movie back in college when I was doing, like, a horror binge. Um, I kind of just watched it along with, like, a bunch of the Friday 13th movies um, when I kind of just went through the series. Uh, some, I don't know where I heard that it was, like, similar, but uh, I was like, oh, I'll throw it on. Um, I didn't really remember it very well, so that's why I wanted to kind of redo it. I'd actually been seeing on YouTube lately, which kind of reminded me of it, is there's been a lot of, I don't know if, it, if it's their anniversary. No, it's not anniversary. I should know this because that was 81. But it seems to be getting a lot of traction all of a sudden. Hmm. I don't know why. Um, I didn't really look into it too much because I didn't want to spoil any, you know, I didn't want to spoil my reaction or, you know, listen to something and accidentally repeat it on the podcast. Um, so I can look back into it. Um, but yeah, there seems to be a revival of it right now. I don't know what's going on, but it seems to be coming back into uh, uh, into the modern discussion for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this um, I had heard of before, but I never really had any interest in seeing. Um, honestly, I think I'm getting kind of sick of slasher films, which I would love to kind of bring into <laughs> a larger discussion in terms of, you know, what makes a slasher film interesting to you. Um but yeah, it, it definitely this 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 was a movie uh, <laughs> that we watched on that front. Uh, yeah, so where do you want to start with this one? While I take a sip of water. 
Well, first, I guess, do you have you heard of Cropsey at all? Um, the story of Cropsey, or I have not before this movie. However, this movie does have connections to two individuals: one an awesome individual, one a not so awesome individual that I'd love to talk about. But anyway, continue. Wait, who's the awesome individual? Uh, Tom Savini. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Tom Savini did the prospects right. for this movie. Tom Savini, if you do not know who he is, uh, he is probably one of the better makeup and special effects artists in uh, the horror movie industry. He has done a lot of, like like Dawn of the Dead, the original Dawn of the Dead, he did all the zombie prosthetics and makeups for it. So, um, yeah, the titular burning character. Um, let me go ahead and see what else he's done, but he's done a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the reason I brought up Cropsey is, so Cropsey also is like a actual kind of legend. I don't know if legend was spawned from this movie, mm-hmm. um, but there, there, I watched a documentary a while back um basically talking about cropsy and i guess like basically cropsy is like a long islandish kind of legend essentially um and i guess it also it was it a killer who i think was maybe identified one of the moniker of cropsy as well oh shit um, really it was long island I, I i think it was long island um but basically that they, they the the story that as i heard it, i think that as what i remember from the documentary was that um it was there was a killer at one point in time um and i think they attributed him to um that you know that sanitation uh like mental hospital or was it tuberculosis wing? I can't remember what it was. That one they got shut down in New York. I think it was on Long Island, where they basically they, they went in. The news reporters went in. They were basically treating everybody there really badly, and it was like they had to get shut, shut down essentially. Uh, yeah, I don't remember um, the name, but I do remember. Um, I think it was like Westfield or that. something. Yeah, and I'm sorry, West, I'm, you're, some... you've got typing right now. I am just asking my girlfriend who grew up on Long Island if she has heard of Cropsey. So uh, yeah. Anyway, continue. We'll hold in suspense. But yeah, it's a, so that, that, that's so that's my knowledge of it is that there, I, I believe there was a killer as well who was attributed to that uh, that moniker, um, but from what I had heard in the past was basically that Cropsey was you know as kind of in this movie uh, not, not not a burn victim in, the, in, in like it was in this movie but like he was like you know the, the hook handed guy in those stories who like you know killed the person outside of the car and stuff he like mm-hmm. killed children the old campfire like tales yeah yeah and, and like I, I guess there was actually a real person but I think like. In, in the, if I remember from the documentary correctly, they kind of said that a lot of uh, part of the lore was that he like came from like these old, you know, from this like old sanitarium, or, like lived there, or, you know, squatted there. I don't know. Um, so I, I apologize for anybody who probably knows the actual story. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, we should have looked into um, that. No, I had no idea. Oh. Apparently, from Long Island, I'm currently taking a look right now to see because like the Wikipedia article just uh, links directly to the 2009 movie about its. Uh, which is a documentary. Oh, yeah, I think it's a documentary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah that's the one I watched. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think it's, you know, it's, uh, it's it's interesting when they kind of take these concepts and, you know, make them into movies. So it seems like this one is very loosely based on Cropsey. Because it's, I, um, from reading kind of just, you know, the basic Wikipedia summary of some of the production involved with this film, it seems like at the time a lot of uh, directors were or writers were looking to capitalize on uh, the Cropsey story. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just kind of all at the same time so i think a lot of names got changed and things got moved around uh and i don't know how this movie came on top with cropsy but <laughs> um i guess I, I guess during the 80s i don't know maybe, maybe that's when the killings happened i don't know but it seems like it uh uh it was in the, the public consciousness back then a lot yeah i mean like I, from what i understand too just from reading the background of this movie this was um spearheaded i guess we're gonna have to open this up right now by the shithead harvey weinstein um, which I, I literally, like, I was watching the opening credits, and then I was just, like, written, I saw, written by Harvey Weinstein, along with two other people, and then I sent you a screenshot, and you were like, oh, crap. Um, so, but that's fine. Um, 
so yeah, this apparently was conceived by him um, during one of his early back in the eighties. Um, at this point, Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre had been really popular um and so then he was basically thinking okay what is a similar type of movie we could go ahead and put on in and uh, that's where he got the idea for the cropsy murders um maybe go ahead and put that into a slasher format and basically from what i understand he didn't do any actual writing he just kind of came up with the idea um and kind of set that straight so that was that i think i think his brother did the writing uh because like, there's another wine scene there's harvey and then there's uh the other one. Yeah, the Weinstein. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, and I guess uh, Andre Rand is the name of the guy that it was based off, that uh, Copsy was theoretically attributed to. Yeah, no, the screenplay uh, was written he... by Peter Lawrence and Bob Weinstein, so yes, you are correct. Bob, there you go. Is, is Bob a shithead, too? I'm, I'm assuming so, but like... I don't know. Let's just, you know, I just feel like I kind of ruined the name Weinstein. Uh, <laughs> he does have a section on his Wikipedia page titled Sexual Harassment Allegations, so yeah... That's also, uh, I believe, on the uh, somewhere on one of the burning uh, on, on the burning uh, Wikipedia page, it, it has the 1980 Harvey Weinstein sexual abuse allegation is on yep. the burnings uh, Wikipedia, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh wait, is it? Oh, okay. So it was because one of the production assistants, I guess, is one of the people who came out against him from this movie. Ah, gotcha. That's uh, piling that on again. Oh God. Yeah, God. I'm, okay. I'm so glad he's serving time. Anyway. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, just, you know maybe he made out was the you know just just like the uh, the person who he uh, you know theoretically based this movie off of also serving time. So. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, would have thought they'd be the same. Yeah. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about the plot or the premise of the burning, uh, so we can kind of get yeah. that. I mean, it is like a standard slasher movie, so it's not super complicated. But anyway, continue. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I like to think it's it's like the um like the plot of Camp uh, Bloodbath from um final girls that we watched mm-hmm. it's um a guy who um these kids play a prank on him just like in camp of death except this time he's not a child um but uh it's basically uh these teens who are going to this camp i forget the name of the camp it's camp blackfoot um and they uh decide to i guess they the groundskeeper is like a shithead apparently who uh, they said like they don't they just kind of like we don't remember seeing him do anything we just hear here say that he's kind of maybe abusive and a bit of an asshole uh and so they decide to play a prank on him by putting a skull that I guess they found uh, with some uh, candles in the eyeball, in the eye sockets. Uh, Cropsy awakens to this and is scared and knocks the um, the head and the candles onto the most flammable mattress on Earth. And then I put, uh, trips into some gasoline and lights himself on fire. Um, so then we kind of cut to a year, no, I forget how long it is, some years later. Um, and uh, basically, Cropsy returns to get revenge on this other set of campers across the uh, the lake um, from uh, his burning area, basically, because that camp's closed down. And it uh, basically follows um, a group of camp counselors and some campers as they are uh, trailed by Cropsy mm-hmm. and attacked. Um, which, the more I think about it, basically, it's like the plot of Friday the 13th Part 2, where it takes place at a camp across from Friday the 13th Camp. Yeah, this movie <laughs> came out first, though, so. Oh, did it? Yeah, it did. I thought... Friday the 13th I, I, was 1980. I, I, Friday the 13th Part 2 was 1981. Oh, yeah, so they came out the same year. Yeah, because I, I knew it went into production, right? The thought had uh-huh. come before uh, Friday the 13th. Okay, but, hang on, yeah. hang on. We're going to see this. So Friday the 13th Part 2 was May 1st, 1981. And mm-hmm. The Burning was May 8th. Oh, shit, they came out a week apart from each other. Bum, bum, Technically, bum. The Burning came out seven days later. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to talk that to a coincidence. 
So yeah, and, and like you know, like you said, this is like I feel like one of the most basic slashers, and it's it's like it's very like bare bones in the sense that Cropsey's not really seen. He, it feels kind of like the Prowler a little bit in the way he walks around and stuff. Um, but I don't really feel like you get the same uh, iconography of Cropsey that you do with Jason. And, uh, and you know, obviously, you know, in, in the first Friday Thirteenth, it wasn't Jason. And the mom, the deaths were a lot more secretive. And I feel like it goes a lot more from that kind of perspective, where like we don't really focus on the killer himself. He just kind of appears and slashes and leaves. Um, so I feel like you don't really get that uh, horror slasher uh, characterization or infamy, really. Like I feel like Cropsey himself as an idea. Yeah, you really don't get a sense of, like, who he is in this movie. Like, you know, Michael is the emotionless, the only purpose he has is to kill, and that's what kind of makes him scary. And then Jason, of course, is just the massive murder machine. And then Freddy is, of course, toying with the victims, and they have all the stuff. This guy, if you told me to identify Cropsey, I'm just like, he's got some cool special effects, I guess. They're not seen very often, but... Well, and I feel like that's kind of where this where this falls short is that normally you either want like compelling characters or uh, a compelling villain and or you know at least a scene villain you can kind of root for the kills and you don't really get that in this you know one way or the other like I mm-hmm. only know one of the characters' names starts with an A. <laughs> <laughs> He's your favorite, uh, I know. Uh, and you know, and crops you know because he gets burned alive, but I wouldn't really say he's memorable as a villain. Um, yeah. So I think that's why, I, for me, it kind of falls short and feels very generic. Because you don't really get, you know, you know, I can't say, you know, like I said, I can't say any of the characters' names. I can't really define him other than guy in a black suit who has an ugly face. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's kind of where, it, why it kind of, I don't gets forgotten. I think it is well-reviewed or well-remembered uh, by a lot of the community. But I think it's just, you know, middle of the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, and and that's the biggest sin that a movie can be because I mean, we've reviewed reviewed absolute crap like uh, Rotten Tail on this podcast before. Like the, by no metric that is a good movie, um, or Velocipaster, um, where at the very least you know that had some sort of cheesy entertainment value to it. But this one was just it wasn't bad, it wasn't great, um, it was just very very middling. So that kind of leads me to the next question, which is, Andrew, what makes a good slasher movie for you? Like, what are the characteristics of your favorite slashers? Well, I think I'll just that, you know, it's, it's, I think, I feel like the, the way we talk about slashers now, we always kind of talk about the big three, um, and I, I, I don't know if we consider Hellraiser to be part of that, but, you know, I think it has to be kind of a compelling villain or, like, an interesting villain, at least, and then, like, a good cast of characters. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the best slashers really have a whodunit or who is it kind of person. Like, I know that uh, Urban Legends isn't, like, a great movie, but I, like, you know, you kind of think, trying to think who it is. And or in the Scream. First... Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what makes it good. Um, and I think, you know, again, having the whodunit involves having characters who you, who you know, care about, or, you, you know, want to have some red herrings in there with. Uh, and this movie makes it very clear from the get-go that it is Cropsey and that he is just killing kids. And, like, yeah. the lack of characters makes it really hard for that to uh, fall into that category. Uh, but how about yeah. yourself? What do you think makes it good? And I just, I want to say, too, you know, the, the, it's because of that there's not too much tension because there's so many scenes in this movie, like, especially where they have the canoe, where they go on up to the canoe, and then, they, of course, the killer's hiding in the canoe and kills them when they reach it. But it's just very it's it, it's very long the tension is supposed to be built up but at that point we're just like yeah we know what's going to happen i mm-hmm. i think you know back during the 80s 
slasher movies kind of were popularized then because they were kind of an element of counterculture and they defined their whole subgenre as well in terms of, you know, the cliches that sprouted off, like, you know, the black dot guy always dies first or the, you know, slutty girl always dies. If you have sex, you die, which is something that was popularized by Scream and they kind of turned it around on that front. And to create a slasher nowadays um there has to be some sort of meta element to it some way to kind of buck that trend or at the very least incorporate uh cultural elements that are being viewed on in other movies within the uh, cultural zeitgeist i guess is the best way to say that that's a very very broad way to say it but basically what i'm saying is this type of slasher would just not work in today which you know, it was a 1981 movie, definitely, but I, I think that's one reason why it didn't stand the test of time was because there wasn't too much interesting about it. Uh, to finally mm. go back around and answer your question, what makes a good slasher? <laughs> I think a big part of it, again, yes, the villain. Uh, there needs to be some sort of characteristic for the villain, and in this one, it's just, you know, he was burned, and because he was burned in a prank, he wants to kill all campers. Um, okay. That's that. I mean, there's other ones, too. Like, you know, Jason obviously had the whole mother angle to it. Um, and, of course, he was, like, the original one. Um, Hills Have Eyes have, like, the whole rural... Oh, gosh, not even rural, even far beyond that. I don't want to well, say hillbilly, but... They, they were inbred, weren't they? Or is that Yeah, the inbred. I okay. Yeah, that was inbred, hillbilly. I, I don't want to say hillbilly, but I, I can't think of a better word for it. Um but that there, uh, you know, obviously Freddy was the one who toyed with the victims and made all the jokes and was fun and everything like that. Um, there was one other slasher I wanted to talk about. I don't remember who. Oh, gosh. I Texas the Chainsaw? No. Uh, Texas Chainsaw had kind of had that moment as well in terms of... It, Texas Chainsaw felt real. That was why it was so effective is because... Oh, okay. You can kind of get a sense in terms of, oh, this could be an actual house somewhere, whereas Jason was almost a little bit supernatural on that front um black christmas was was i feel like also that kind of realism was kind of what made it creepy yeah definitely that too the original slasher um yeah i can't remember what it was but yeah i you know there there has to be something memorable about the villain on that front and they tried to make it yeah he got burned and they really could have done a lot I, i i i do think tom savini has done a fantastic job with all the movies he's worked on with the prosthetic effects i mean dawn of the dead is legendary um, but this one, I mean, he looks fine, but I, I think the cinematography just hides it a lot and it just really kind of dampens the work that he put in, which kind of sucks. Well, yeah. um, well then, and the unfortunate thing too is, you know, like the, any, you know, the, in terms of character design, any, you know, burn the, any, if you're ever going to mention the burn killer, you're not going to think of this guy, you're going to think of Freddy. So yeah. I think that kind of also <laughs> pushes, pushes this movie back into, uh, you know, further into back into your mind. Yeah, uh, in definitely. terms of when you, you know what kind of makes it, even though this came out before, uh, you know, it, it's the the I think the burn effects on Freddy back, you know, Robert England, I think, you know, uh, make it hard to remember this one even for those effects. Yeah, and then the other element I think that makes a good slasher is the characters, the other side of the coin. You know, who are the people that this slasher is killing? Um, and of course there's a whole kind of mythos around this at that point, like I mentioned before, you know, the archetypes and, you know, who dies first and that sort of thing. And it's always the virgin final girl who survives at the very end, which is a classic for a reason, definitely, because it's been popularized in so, so many movies. Um, but at the same time too, I, I, a big element of these slashers is that you want on some level, (laughs) these, 
these victims to die. Like, either they're terrible people, or they're really, really annoying, or something like that. Like, I, I do feel that is a big part of the slasher genre in terms of, you you know, you're obviously not a psychopath or anything like that, but you want to see people get killed. I mean, that's the whole reason why you go into a slasher movie. And then also kills be creative as well. I think those are the other two elements. Uh, having some sort of reaction to a kill. And there was really only one part of this movie where I was just like, oh, okay, I guess that's kind of cool. But other than that, not so much. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, and, it, I, and it really, like, the entire time, and I'm sorry for interrupting, but the entire no. time I was thinking, watching this movie, I remember thinking back to when we did the episode on Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, and how different subcultures identify with the killer more so than they do with the victims. Um, specifically, my brother Brian was talking about queer culture and how they identified with Freddy, especially in <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, which we've established is probably one of the gayest horror movies out there. Um, but he was talking about how a lot of, you know queer people because they were so demonized they kind of you know sided with freddie in terms of oh yeah now i felt that way too in terms of demonized i certainly don't want to kill anyone but you know it, it feels kind of good to you know see the uh monster take rampage on everybody uh that sort of thing and i i do feel there's an element of that in horror movies because in these slasher films because slasher movies are all about yeah, this, uh, you know, we want to see people get killed, and we want to see them get killed in interesting ways by interesting villains. Hmm. I, well, I think that's I think... a good way. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, sorry, do you want to finish? I decided I didn't uh, interrupt. Yeah, no, the very last thought I had, I think that is kind of my feelings in a nutshell. When I go see a slasher, I want to see interesting deaths by characters I either find interesting or I want to see die performed by an interesting villain. Like, those are the three elements in terms of a slasher working for me. And if any of those three elements are not there, um, I, it just kind of bores me, honestly. Hmm. Well, and I think what you mentioned earlier is, like, you know, there's there's not, like, the, you know, there is the inciting incident in, in this movie, which is the burning of Cropsy. Um, and you mentioned that, you know, there wasn't really, like, a, a, a message behind this where you said, like, you know, there wasn't, like, a... Um, you know, there wasn't like a reason behind it. And I, and I think that like, cause, yeah, you know, you mentioned like the, the cultural impact. And I think what this movie could have done and it kind of, it mentioned it, but didn't really do anything with it was like the bullying aspect in terms of like, you know, this, the, um, you know, the, the kids are obviously bullying Cropsy and Cropsy maybe kind of, it's kind of bullying them being an asshole. Um, and then we have our, our main guy, Alfred, what's his name? A guy. Uh, Alfred, I think it was. Was it really Alfred? Yeah, it was Alfred. Okay. So we have our main guy, Alfred, or not even our main guy, but like, the the theoretical main guy alfred um who is a kid who's getting bullied by these multiple people and part of jason alexander and their character and like their group is all kind of protecting him um from a guy who's kind of a big douche um and i think that you know the the story that could have been made here i think and what you know the, what kind of is, is unfortunate is that you know this could have been a story uh where you know the story but the the catharsis behind, behind the uh, the killer would be you know killing those people who build, bullied this kid but in reality it's just one guy essentially um so you know the the sin that you know leads to death you know the sex the drinking the drugs and this isn't really present a lot of like you know some characters do have sex and get killed but others don't get killed or you know uh, some of them remain uh, you know absent from that and get murdered but i think the interesting way to make this movie would have been to make the movie of cropsy killing these people who he sees bullying other people kind of like he was bullied because 
Mm-hmm. They don't really mention it, but I feel like the guy who plays Cropsy is, you know, kind of weird looking before he gets burned. Um, mm-hmm. And I think maybe making the prank of these kids being because Cropsy's kind of a weird looking dude and not necessarily because he's an asshole and then have him be, uh, you know, killing these kids who are, you know, picking on Alfred or, you know, preying on these other weak kids would have made a little more sense for the killer and kind of, I think, would have made a more compelling story. Yeah, and then there's that moment of empathy then. If it was, you know, he was going after bullies, that Hmm. would have created that identification with, that that would have made it more interesting, but also, too, I felt like that would have had that element of, okay, now that he's got this moral code, I want to see these people get fucked up. It's not just killing for the sake of killing. Exactly. And I feel like, too, it would have made sense for Todd, the the camp counselor, because we learned that he is... Uh, he was one of the kids who originally burned Cropsy. He didn't actually do it himself, but he was there for it. You know, mm-hmm. he was part he was of the gang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we kind of see him uh, in the show, in the movie, sorry, protecting Alfred and trying to stop Alfred from getting bullied. So it would have been a, an about face, not an about face, but it would have been his character development. He comes back, he tries to protect these kids. He sees what well, his actions in the past created this monster, and so he tries to protect Alfred. And that would have, like, that to me would have been a more round story. It would have made Todd, a, you know, a slightly more rounded character than he really is. Because at the end of the movie, we see that this movie loves to kind of have scenes cut through of previous kills. And one of the scenes is literally Todd getting approached by Cropsy with the flamethrower and having flashbacks to how he was talking about burning Cropsy, essentially. Mm-hmm. And you never really get the sense that he felt bad about it. He never says, like, oh, I'm so sorry for what I did to you. He's like, fuck this guy. <laughs> That's essentially what it is. Like, mm-hmm. He never really seems to come to terms with the fact that he fucked this guy's life up, essentially. Um, and I think, that again, that could have made the movie stronger. Uh, but, you know, that's also me uh, wanting that, you know, character roundness to come through in, in movies, uh, which, you know, these movies don't always have to do. Uh, but it just felt weird for them to include him as one of the people who murdered this guy who he never gets punished for it. He uh, doesn't seem to represent, uh, you know, feel bad about it. Um, he just kind of uh, was like, oh, it's that guy that I fucked over as a child. Okay. And let me light him on fire again. <laughs> like, yeah. That's that's the end of his story arc, uh, which is unfortunate. I think he was like one of the only characters I kind of cared about. Um, yeah, and I, definitely. And and I wonder how much of that was left on the cutting room floor, because I could definitely see that kind of be taken out in editing as they go on through. Oh, this character arc, that's boring. We want to see more kills or some shit like that. But it, it was definitely set up. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what did you think, uh, you know, what did you think of the story? Like, what, what, what elements worked for you? What, were there any parts that did kind of make this memorable or you enjoyed well, first off, I remember the serial killer that was, uh, or the, the slasher villain that I was thinking about before, uh, Angela from Sleepaway Camp. Um, uh, and, you know, that obviously a very transphobic ending, but at the same time, it was a very memorable ending as well. And that kind of added a new layer onto it as to why the uh, Sleepaway Camp series is, you know, somewhat of a cult classic. Uh, but two, I don't think we actually talked about what we thought of this movie. Like, I mean, oh, do we we're not? Half, yeah, we're a half hour in right now, but we didn't do the, you know, hey, Andrew, what do you think of this movie? So, hey, Andrew, what do you think of this movie? Oh, well, now you, now you mention it. <laughs> um, <laughs> again, I, I, I don't want to, I feel bad coming down on it hard, because I think, you know, it is one of the early slashers, and I think it's, I, I remember when I watched it among the other Friday 13th movies, I was like, oh, okay, cool, you know? Um, and I think in that context, it's probably okay, but I just think that it's one of the weaker... You know, if we think of 80s slasher horror movies, other than the maybe the uh, the Raph scene, it's not very memorable. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I feel bad coming down on it hard, but I, uh, I, I say it's just so middling that I don't think, you know, I'll probably see it again someday when I, when I think about these movies. I'm like, oh, you know, I'll pull it up. But I'm never, 
you know, I, I would rather go to any of the other major slashers uh, before I go back to it. There's nothing of it that stands out to me. Yeah, definitely. I, I was honestly pretty bored throughout this whole movie. Um, and I had, like, this existential crisis when I was just like, oh, my God, do I not like slashers anymore? Is that what's <gasps> going on? And then I thought to myself, and I'm like, okay, Dan, okay, don't panic. Don't panic. If you were to watch Nightmare on Elm Street um, again, would you still enjoy it? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I probably would. Okay, it's not the slasher genre. Don't blame the slasher genre. <laughs> blame blame, blame this movie. Um, but yeah, I really did not like this movie. I thought it was very, very dull. Well, actually, uh, fun fact, the director actually directed uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. So the director Ooh. can direct good things. Ooh. So, uh, Ooh. So, it was the Weinstein so that's, influence. That, that, that's what it is. Well, I think Weinstein also uh, had a lot of influence on the other ones as well. But, you know, other like, uh, I, I think, what, what wasn't the Weinstein company, um, didn't they uh, do, what was the company that made them? Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, no, Tony, Tony Malem is directed by, according to the Wikipedia article, we gotta stop right our line on Wikipedia, our college professors are on. I do, I do not see Nightmare on Elm Street 2 on his uh, oh, no, no, Was it not the director? No, it was, it's, it's somebody. Uh, what did he go on to do? Was it the, did he write Nightmare on Elm Street? Was it the writer? Peter Lawrence, maybe? Maybe. Uh, maybe, maybe. No. I, I was reading about it in one, in one of the histories, so I may have just lied to everybody, and everybody knows. Uh-huh. Like, well, it's a good oh. thing you got your fat checker, fact checker right here. What lies? Nightmare. Oh, oh no, it was the editor, sorry. It was, it was the ah, editor. The, okay, gotcha. The editor directed Nightmare on Elm Street 2. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there, there's some you know, there's some other people involved. Uh, maybe somebody knows how to tell a story uh, <laughs> or show a story, I suppose, uh, since they just edited it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I'm looking at the director's filmography right now, and it, there, there's not too much. It's it's not. Though, actually, speaking of uh, people's careers, I forget. Uh, I believe it was uh, the girl who um, who dies, the first girl to die, um, mm-hmm. the one who who the guy was like, oh, let's you know, let's let's get together. And, yeah. Oh, sorry. The first camper yeah. to die. Uh, oh, the first well, camper to die. Okay, um, gotcha. I forget what her name was, but uh, I forget what everyone's she, name was. She except has for an Alfred. She has an ND, and I had an ND. You know what I'm saying? An IMDb, and you can tell that she wrote it herself because it's like, oh, this beautiful actress who's sorely missed after only being in two movies. <laughs> it was just like the most like I wrote this. I wrote this page about myself, and it was like uh, giving her all this praise for being only in two movies, and it was like, wow, somebody. You know, it's, it's like Raw Digga from uh, 13 Ghosts. <laughs> but Raw, you know, she, she at least, you know, has a career outside of this. this. This person's IMDb was like, the world is so much worse for not having her been in more films. She was, you know, clearly <laughs> she was the next Tom Cruise, but for some reason decided not to be in other movies after these two horror movies. I gotta, okay, no, I'm sorry. I gotta, I gotta find this right now. I, I can't remember who it was. Uh, but, I, I'm gonna go through every single actress on this page. Because she looked really familiar okay, to anyway, me. Continue. And I was like, nope, I've never seen her apparently. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. I should have said in her IMDb, like often confused with these other people who are uh, in other movies. Um, but actually, Holly Hunter was in this movie. Yeah, I don't know. Who, I don't know who she was, but she was in it. I don't know who she was either. Sophie was who she played. Yeah, because that was the same thing with Jason Alexander. George Costanza is in this movie. This is one of his first roles, and I barely remember him in this movie. Honestly, let's see if, if I look up a picture of Holly Hunter as Sophie. Who was she? Uh, who was Sophie? What happens if we don't find them? Uh, that's her line. She is not in the plot summary either. <laughs> oh, I think, is she, is she the other camp counselor? Maybe? She might be. Um, I don't remember, honestly. Apparently her line is, hey, Todd, over here, at one point. Um, I could see her being the other camp counselor. Uh, <laughs> I, I could see that. I could see it. Hey, Todd, over here. <laughs> um, oh, I found it. I found it. Carolyn Houlihan. Okay, so there we Carolyn go. Houlihan has been in two movies. 
Uh, the first one is bathing suit model for the movie A Little Sex. Mm-hmm. And the second one is Karen in the Burning. And she was also Miss Ohio USA for the Miss USA pageants. Um, and let, me, let me go ahead and read this out for you. And I am so sorry, Carolyn, if you're listening on and we're not trying to be mean about it. But we're, this is this is great. It's, it's your IMDb summary, oh, not you. To, <laughs> it is, yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, Carolyn Houlihan was a slim and attractive brunette actress who only appeared in two movies in the early 80s during her regrettably fleeting cinematic career. Carolyn won the Miss Ohio USA title in 1979 and was a contestant in the Miss USA Beauty Pageants. She was memorably sweet and sexy as the fetching Karen in the superior slasher cult favorite, The Burning. Wait, superior to what? 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 Yeah! Alas, alas, following her smart part as a bathing suit model in the comedy A Little Sex, Carolyn Houlihan abruptly stopped acting and dropped out of the show business. Okay, I have two... No, just one problem with this in terms of superior. I just want to know what superior is. Yeah, what are we comparing? Superior to what? I'm assuming Friday the 13th because they came out around the same time. Um, I mean... Yeah, I mean, like, if I... Okay, to be honest, if I had an IMDb page, I would totally promote the shit out of myself i mean dan super super handsome smart and big well endowed dan is an actress <laughs> or actor oh fuck you, there you, you can do whatever you want i don't you know i'm not, I'm i not can do judge. whatever i want it's, it's 2022 g- gender is fluid um yeah. <laughs> yeah. wow uh, well, okay anyway but i guess actually holly hunter was not she she wasn't the camp counselor because that's a different actress. That's Leah Ayers. I wonder was she the blonde who um who the jerk guy hangs out with? Was was that who she was? Or was she? I wonder if she was just an, like a random camp kid who didn't. Maybe she was Tiger. Oh no, wait, her name would say Tiger, not Sophie. Then <laughs> man, I think she was. Yeah, she was one of the. She must have just been a side bro yeah. because uh, Tiger has top billing over her, has a higher billing over her. So, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, ti- you know, and Tiger was, you know, memor- so memorable as being Tiger. <laughs> can, we, can we talk about Alfred now? Let's, like, I, I feel we're kind of meandering at this point, and I would love to continue, you know, going back and forth in terms of IMTP <laughs> trivia between these unknown people. Well, no, I mean, how you know, dare you? Anyway, let's talk about <laughs> Alfred. Talk about Alfred. Alfred is a terrible character. What's going on with Alfred? Alfred is terrible. So, so how how are we introduced to Alfred? What does he do? How does how does he warm our hearts? How are we introduced to? I don't fucking remember. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred is completely immemorable. What, what what does Alfred do? How do, how are we introduced to Alfred? Tell me, tell me. You, you you texted me like several times throughout this movie, just like I fucking hate Alfred yeah, the entire time. I, I fucking hate Alfred, but like I don't remember anything about him. <laughs> um, I know. No 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 no. He he peeps on he peeps on, and I have to look up the plot summary. He peeps on Sally as she's showering. Oh, that was Alfred? And he's just like... Yeah, that was Alfred. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He's the worst. <laughs> I, I I just remembered... He was just like, I'm trying to pull a prank on the naked girl taking a shower. I wasn't peeping on her. Honest. Oh. And he's the guy that uh, Todd defends. That, that's where I introduced to him, though? I thought we introduced him some other way. I don't, yeah. I don't know why. Um, I think that was the only... The, yeah, I mean, he might have been, like, in the background of a scene, but that was, like, the first major scene oh, he actually had a role Because we're, we're so. introduced to them playing baseball or something like that, and I feel like some guy's like, you suck, Alfred. And he's like, oh, man. Well, I don't even... Oh, yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. The, and then the, the camp counselor was like, does. yeah, I'm here. <laughs> that wasn't part of the script. That was just a warning. <laughs> that, was like, that, that was like, this is your main character, guys. Uh. <laughs> he's like, fuck. Um, uh, yeah. 
Oh god, I forgot. I I forgot that's how we're introduced to him. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, jeez, yeah. Okay, because yeah, he sneaks in, and you're supposed to think it's Crop to come to kill this girl, and then it's just Alfred. What was his plan? Just to like skip, like, because he didn't. It wasn't like he liked Sally or anything. He, it was just a prank, bro. Yeah. Okay. That's what it was. It was a prank, bro. Oh, well, don't don't worry about the details of the prank, bro. It was just a prank, bro. Well, I guess Sally wasn't. So Sally also wasn't uh, that actress we were talking about earlier, because uh, yeah, she's the blonde girl who gets killed later. So yeah, I literally uh-huh. don't know who Sophie was. Um, <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, and honestly, I don't remember who Jason Alexander played in this movie. Jimmy. You, you, he played Dave, Dave, but I don't remember Dave. I don't remember where he was. Who was Dave? So, where was he? Oh, okay. Let, let me regale you with Dave. Let me tell you all the facts okay, you need to know yeah. about Dave. So this is Dave. Dave is the ultimate bro. Dave's your best wingman. Dave's Dave's the buddy who's always there for you. All right. So Dave, uh, in in this film, was Alfred's friend. He's all and the other guy's friend. I don't know who the other guy was. He was he was weird. Dave's the guy who gets you stuff. He's the guy who goes out to the store and comes back and gives all them hustler and condoms and charges them for them. And you know he's uh, he. It was the eighties. He uh, he he you know swan dives perfectly into the water. You know he's 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 great. Um, uh-huh. He helps Alfred fight back against his bully. Remember when they when they shoot the bully oh, with with a gun? And he he teaches and he's like you know aim ready fire and run are his are his uh his advice. I do remember that. Now. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, so now that makes a whole lot more sense in terms of the George Costanza couch picture. <laughs> what? I, I can see where he's come from. I can see where he comes from, where he got that energy from. But okay, Dave. Dave, Dave was the only funny character. Dave, like, Dave was great. I think like Dave was like that '80s character was written into this movie, and you were expecting him to like die at some point because he was the funny guy, but he just never did. <laughs> like he, I, I can't tell if it's because like I know who James, Al, you know Jason Alexander is now, but it felt like they wrote a lot of lines for him and really kind of featured him, but then he did absolutely fucking nothing, <laughs> other than be Alfred's go-to bro. Like for some reason, protects the shit out of Alfred. Like maybe he should have been the, the hero in the end and not the camp counselor. Um, yeah, because the camp counselor had like no personality traits whatsoever, except for the fact that oh yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and you know try and be a good. I'm gonna try and protect Alfred from his pranks. Yeah, you know, he, he was he was a good dude. He, he wasn't being a pervert. He was just a prank. He, he was a good guy. He was a good guy. Uh, you know that was the yeah. that was the thing. He was a good guy. Jason Alexander was a good bro, and that was you know that's the difference. Like, uh, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that, that's basically all his character was. He um, he gets back at the end with them on the on the raft, and then he just kind of disappears. <laughs> that's that's basically Jason Alexander. Um, I think he's there for a lot of exposition. I think he tell he talks about things, but I think also because this movie's full of so many long takes, that's part of the thing is we have so many long takes of just them like we're gonna walk over here and instead of cutting to them being there, they're gonna show you them walking over there. Um, yes. And like Jason Alexander just kind of while that's going on talks and it, like makes jokes and you're like, well, you make this slightly bearable, um, and that's that's basically <laughs> it. Um, um, but yeah, it's so back back to Alfred. Uh, you know, again, the character who's so boring. We constantly talk about every other character but him. Uh, yeah. So okay. So he was an ass. Uh, okay. So he, he did he did the he did the, the peeping. Maybe that was uh, you know um, Weinstein's writing there. He's like, look, how do we how do we introduce this charming young man? Well, he's peeping on a girl. That's what we want. That's that's the audience are really gonna are really gonna jive with that. <laughs> that's gonna be really relatable. What a hero in our minds. Um, that actually is kind of funny that the heroes in this movie are a guy who burned a, basically burned a guy alive as a child and a kid who were introduced by, you know, accosting a girl in the bathroom. <laughs> uh, what great heroes we get here. Uh, meanwhile, Jason Alexander, again, flawless human being on the side doing nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but, 
like, I feel like, for me, I just, like, because I could tell they were trying to push him forward as maybe the main character. And again, maybe he could have, had we not been shown Cropsy killing a prostitute, you know, ten minutes into this movie, I would maybe they were trying to make him a red herring as, like, the possible killer. Because he's being mm-hmm. picked on, and he's kind of a weird dude. Uh, That's what I thought they were going for, too. But... Again, they kind of killed it with the reveal of, yeah, no, it's not him, because we showed him. Well, he's the first one. We know he's got burned. Yeah. Well, and he's the first one to see Cropsy, and he's the first one to be like, oh, here's Cropsy. Like, you know, he's the guy saying everything. You know, he's supposed to be the guy who's sounding the alarm and nobody listens to. But he doesn't even fill that role, because he kind of like, oh, there's a guy in there, and that's about it. And then, like, kind of, he does not really character until, um, who gets killed? In- oh, then he, like awkwardly wakes up at one point to go watch that guy have sex with his girlfriend and then when he sees that he's getting killed he's like oh no and runs away and just like falls asleep in a corner like by a rock overnight and lets everybody else get attacked by Cropsy. uh yeah i don't know i just felt like he was such a nothing character that the fact that they kept making him the main character just aggravated me um mm-hmm. i don't know what, what did you think about him oh no he was he was awful and it wasn't because he didn't even die right no he got kidnapped he at the end, the end, and that was about it. He got kidnapped. Yeah. Helped. I don't know why Cropsy kept him alive. And we're supposed to cheer for him to be saved. I'm just like, no, this is the annoying, creepy character that we want to see killed off, and you, you, you did the wrong thing. It's weird, too, because we also don't know why Cropsy didn't kill him. Everybody else, Cropsy can take people down with a pair of garden shears, like, insanely. Uh, but mm. everybody else in this, he, he, he kills or knocks out or whatever. But, like, with... Him, he, like, ties him up and, I guess, secures his arm with with the shears so he can't move. And then just kind of walks away and waits for Todd to come back. Um, mm-hmm. Which, at first, I thought, like, oh, again, maybe it's this plot that he's not trying to kill him because, uh, you know, he's also a bully. So he's like, yo, I understand you, bro. But that's not it. It's just, like, a random, like, Alfred gets to live for some reason. Uh, mm-hmm. And the fact that he lives is just dumb. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> he's just such an annoying and dumb character. Uh, and, you know, like, I just... Again, like like you said, like you know, we want likable uh, protagonists. You know, you want to root for somebody in the film, uh, and I think the movie's trying to make you like him. But then they also don't give you enough screen time or characterization with him to make him anything other than just like this annoying guy who everybody tries to protect. But the only thing we see him do is, like you mentioned, like be a creep. <laughs> so yeah. it doesn't seem like he deserves that. Um, like it seems like all the other actors are acting around him to be a friend, and this guy just can't do it like i think they're trying to make him the nerdy every guy but he's not like it's it's like don't make him that because he's like a gross dude and you don't you don't want him to be the every guy (laughs) Mm -hmm. um yeah definitely he's just gross all around so yeah i guess he gets the light crops on fire at the end after i don't know uh todd already smacks in the face with an axe so i guess like he's not i got the burning again yeah yeah he's not coming back um we assume until you know I don't know. Maybe they'll make a sequel someday. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. I, I really, I don't know what else to talk about with this movie. It's just, it's it's a very aggressively mediocre slasher movie. Literally any other slasher movie I can think of would probably be a better watch or a more entertaining watch than this one. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of like slasher movies that I didn't like as much as this one. Uh, uh, I feel like there's probably someone out there. I don't uh, like, but I, well, I guess, how would you compare this to, like, Blood for Dracula? If you were to... Blood for Dracula was interesting. Like, I'm glad I watched Blood for Dracula just because it was an absolute fever dream of a movie. Mm. I, I, it was a terrible movie, but it was, it was a train wreck that you couldn't look away from. Mm. 
Um, there, there, there were just so many elements of it that was just like, okay, again, it's like a dream state where you just, there's elements of it that were just slightly off and that makes it very weird. Um, but yeah, this, this was just boring, honestly. Yeah. What I think too, like it was only 91 minutes. So I guess that, that, that is kind of in its favor. Um, but I mean, it, it really like, you know, like I said, there's all these long takes where those 91 minutes kind of felt long at times. We were just like, hmm. Let's watch these guys paddle all the way across the lake. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that, 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 I think, again, that could have been a little bit shorter, maybe. Uh, and that kind of, mm-hmm. like, it was just crazy to say for a 91 minute movie. Um, but maybe, I don't know, if it was just a little slasher, maybe, like, I don't know, make, maybe cut out some of some of these long takes that, that, that you know, again, unlike what I, you know, I, I credited Blood for Dracula to the long takes being artful. Uh, it just felt lazy here. It felt like padding. It felt like they, mm-hmm. they meant to edit it. And then they didn't for some reason. But again, probably to get to 90, 91 minutes, that would be an assumption. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure there, I mean, I mean during this time in like the theater, there were, there were so many like time stipulations in terms of what a movie has to be on the runtime. But now that we're on the area of, era of streaming, it's uh, a lot looser mm-hmm. on that front. Well, then actually, but yeah. uh, you mentioned that you mentioned there was a kill you liked. What, what was the kill that you thought was good? Right. Oh, I, I I wouldn't even say I really liked it, but I did like how the scissor cut across that one girl's forehead um, during the scene where they kind of get ambushed in that canoe <laughs> or the raft or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I was just like, okay, that's a decent special effect. Um, how that was it? How far do you like, think the camp was, was from uh, you know where they were stranded? Half a day, maybe. Okay, they seem like they've been paddling for quite some time. I was kind of wondering, like, could they have just swum back? Uh, but uh, yeah, maybe not. Um, I will say that, 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 uh, raft massacre was insane. That's like, I guess like for that, that's, that's like the hokiness of the movie a little bit that I, I could kind of enjoy was like, you know, the fact that he kills like six teens with a pair of garden shears, uh, on a raft when he's in a canoe. And I feel like, you know, one of them could have jumped up and like tackled him to the water or something. You know, there, there were ways to maybe not all die there or, you know, smack him with a paddle from far away. You know, there were... There were things that could have been done. Um, but, you know, I, I guess that, that was an okay thing. I thought, you know, for only using one weapon and then, you know, he used it in a couple different ways. He stabbed people in the stomach. He slit their throats with it. He whacked the camp, camp, camp counselor in the head and knocked him out with it. That one girl, mm-hmm. uh, he uh, uh, stabbed it through her chest. So the guy got to the neck and, like, pinned to the wall. Like, you know, there were some, there were some interesting things, which, again, thanks to Tom Savini probably for that. Uh, yeah, definitely. Honestly, like just attacking with a pair of scissors kind of made me think of uh, the Scissor Man from Clock Tower series. You ever played those games? No. I think you actually might be into them. There, there were kind of another survival horror. Well, not really even survival horror. Uh, there was the original on the Super Nintendo. Um, but yeah, the the main antagonist uh, carries a pair of scissors, like a giant fucking Hulk and pair of scissors. <laughs> so I'd recommend checking the original out on the SNES. It was never released in the America, uh, but there is a very good fan translation patch for it. You can emulate it. Um, and then there were two sequels on the PS1, and then there was one on the PS2, which just got weird. But it's a pretty short game. I recommend it. Do they all involve scissors? Uh, yes. <laughs> well, not the third. However, they're, they're, they, the third does a thing where the antagon- there's multiple antagonists, and one of the antagonists does not have scissors, <clears throat> but it's a set of twins, and each twin has a pair of shears that connect together to be a scissor, but they never connect in the game, if I remember correctly. Uh-huh. So it's just kind of like a ton-in-cheek kind of moment. Dude. But 
And that, I, I do think that at the, the big hulking scissors is just, it's a great murder weapon in terms of that type of horror video game. I'd love to see this movie reimagined as like a grim, dark Mega Man movie. And this was the, like the, the origin of Cut Man with the scissors on his mm. forehead and he like on his head. They, <laughs> they reconstruct him again. Like, you know, the, the, the fire melds the scissors onto his head and then he goes after people. I would, that would that'd be amazing. <laughs> that'd be the, the best thing ever. Uh, and that'd be not, Good old Mega Man, yeah. That'd, that'd be great. Um, the, you know, I, I will say like, Cropsey must just like love fucking scissors because the first way he kills that prostitute in the beginning of this movie is with a pair of scissors. And then he like goes to the campsite and is like upgrade and gets the the shears. I I would yeah. I would have liked to see him like I want I would love to, love to see a scene where like he walks up to them and he like holds up his scissors and then holds up the shears and then holds up the scissors and holds up the shears and he's like <laughs> this one's better. It just it's just progressively bigger sugar shears the entire movie like by the very end of it they get like those industrial sized shearing scissors that basically can cut like steel beams in half and shit like that and like have hydraulics inside and everything oh, dude. and he's pulling up it's just like hang on hang on i'm gonna kill you just wait a second i gotta i gotta get all the machinery up and in place and stuff like that okay cool and i'll just put your head here or, like imagine like a fight where at the end he's fighting with the guy with the axe and they like pins the axe with, with the scissors but then he's like oh i detaches one of the scissors and stabs him with it like you know okay no okay now what i want is a battle with him and the scissors progressively as the camera cuts away just get bigger and bigger and bigger like the scene (laughs) in scary movie three where the hat gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then by the end of it it's like seven feet tall and he's trying to attack with it that's what i want that's that's what i want from this movie and they can call it the cutting instead instead of the burning or i don't know (laughs) or the shears because I think the, the you know the shears are everywhere in the advertising for this movie. But also, I guess the, yeah. on the front it shows the camp counselor and uh, the other camp counselors. Maybe they, maybe he was the main character the whole time. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they just were just like, ooh, sex sells. Let's go ahead and put that on the poster. Which eighties probably. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's still still today, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, any final thoughts on the burning? I you know for all for all the shit we give it, I you know I I. It's like you know like when you do like the Halloween, you're in the Halloween season. You want to watch some like some slasher movies. It's I'd I'd say it's worth throwing on. I like I feel like I always go to do this where I'm like, oh, this movie's not great. I'm like, but you know, like I <laughs> I know there, there's very few movies that I find arduous that I don't really want to watch through again. And for mm-hmm. how nothing this movie was, it almost makes me like you know why not throw it on? Like I would never be like, guys, we're gonna sit sit around and, and have all of our tensions focused on this movie. Uh, but you know, drinking or something, or like you know, throwing it on the back with a Halloween party, it could be fine. Um, yeah, and I mean, you're not going to miss too much of the plot. So exactly, like, I, it, yeah, it's a great movie to, to look away from, or you know, to be having yeah, like, yeah. a conversation while it's playing, you know, or to you know, shit on like with your friends, like you know, I not shit on because you know, that's not, not not to be mean to the movie, but you know, <laughs> I just I feel like that there is a a place in the world for those kind of movies, and uh, just like some of the Friday Thirteenth sequels or the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels, you know, it's like. It, it has sequel vibe. It has sequel energy. It has, like, late horror movie sequel energy where there's it doesn't feel like there's a lot of effort put into it. Uh, and that's where, and that's kind of where it sits. It's just that, you know, there, we're, there's, a pre, there's a prequel that we're missing where, you know, this, that's good. <laughs> um, and this, this just doesn't is have it that. Is it, though? Like, I, I genuinely don't feel like this is a very interesting horror movie villain in general anyway, so... I'm okay without the prequel. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, maybe, maybe we see Cropsey, you know, on the town before he gets back to the, uh, you know, before he gets back to the camp. Because, you know, I imagine he probably, you know, did a little bit more killing. Uh, though I, I will say it's crazy. It was crazy to me that he went from, like, I'm all burned to I'm going to start killing people. Just, like, out mm-hmm. the doors. Like, 
I wasn't. I wasn't. Here I go, killing again. again. Like yeah. at least, and it wasn't like you know revenge on the people who did this to him. It was just like, oh, camping is a plague upon society, and I'm going to kill all campers. Well, even that first prostitute, like I didn't know what's going on at first when he's walking down the street, and then we cut to her yeah. being like, "Come on upstairs. The door is open. If you're going to come on in." And I'm like, "What the fuck's going on?" Like I was like, "Is this a prostitute? Is this a friend? Is this like a sister who's going into their house? Like what's going on?" And then, and then she's, and then she starts talking about pay and stuff. I'm like, girl, you just like let somebody into your house that you don't know, mm-hmm. who you haven't seen his face or anything about him, and he's covered, completely covered in like, you know, he looks like the like uh, the guy from those like Stranger Danger posters, you know, the little dark figure with a hat on. Like he looks like that. Like why why would you possibly let him into your house? Like even if he was you know a, a paying uh, gent, I would uh, you know be like, yeah, hey, let me let me see you first before I open my door and let you in. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I also like you know, do you really want to let somebody know where you live? Like that's kind of creepy, you know. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was just it was just so weird to me that like he walks out of the hospital immediately. He's like, "I'm gonna go kill this girl." Here I go killing again. <laughs> Woohoo! All right. Well, that was the burning. Uh, I think both of us would not recommend this movie, but Andrew just kind of said you could recommend it in certain contexts. But for me, definitely, I I'd say skip it. How dare you? You know, it's but yeah. uh, but you know. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, it could be okay. Um, but now that we're you know done talking about that that movie, I I, I do want to talk with you about uh, the Hellraiser trailer. Have you watched it yet? Yes, I have. I am tentatively excited for it. Mm-hmm. Hellraiser has been, in for all intents and purposes, dead for years and years and years now. Um, and I always felt like it was a series that never really got to do justice. Like, yeah, of course it's a cult classic, but you know, Pinhead is not common as commonly known as like jason or michael or freddie or anything like that um so that's kind of it is what it is um but yeah i'm tentatively excited i thought the trailer looked really good i really really like uh the new design for pinhead Mm -hmm. and i really 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 like the androgynous voice they gave it um i think that kind of really contributes to the otherworldliness we'll see how it is um definitely it, it could be another one that's just kind of like eh um in terms of the story things we've seen before in terms of these reboots but could be good yeah but so far i'm i'm pleasantly surprised yeah i'm, I'm the same boat i i love the the hell priest redesign like i'm assuming that like so like because in in the original short story they just called the hell priest and i think a lot of people were being like oh man that's not pinhead it's like it's <laughs> like again it was called the hell priest like the the character we like that we dug bradley's pinhead can still exist in this canon and also like it's mm-hmm. it's not the same person theoretically it's a different interpretation because they, it seems very different like um, but I, you know, but I like the redesigns, like the redesign of the Chatterer and stuff. It looks, I'm assuming that was yeah, the Chatterer. Yeah, Chatterer looks fantastic. And like, and I like that, you know, that they, they cut, they had a scene that looked like from Hellraiser 2 with a Leviathan and the big diamond in the, in the maze. Yes. So like, I'm excited to see that. But, but this is a, this is a movie, right? Not a series, right? Yes, it's a okay. movie. Ooh, hang on, let me, let me, let me, let me check that. I, I want to say, I'm 99% sure it's a movie. Now you're now you're doubting me. Well, I'm just saying because it seems like there's a lot going on in the trailer. Yes, it's a, a lot movie. of different characters a and a lot of like different trap, not traps, but you know, a lot of different people getting held. <laughs> um, so I just uh, that's my only hesitation. It seems like there's a, a bunch going on. Like I love the fact that they expanded the idea of the um, Lachman's box, the uh, the Lamech the, the, the configuration. I like that. Like it expands. Yep. It does all these cool, crazy things. And like they talk about how it takes blood from you and stuff. Like that's kind of cool that it, it activates that way. Um, mm-hmm. And it seems like they're having people be aware of it. So it seems to me like it's not a remake and it's not really just like a reimagining of the original short story. It seems like it's its own thing, but just, you know, living in that world, uh, mm-hmm. which I like. I like that because, you know, it, it seems like they're borrowing elements from one and two a lot, um, just from what I've seen in the trailer. 
but I feel like that's perfect. I think that's like, you know, seeing Chronicles of the Cenobites doing things and like, you know, just being present, I think is awesome. Uh, I, I, I prefer that over, uh, I don't know, just another remake. I think that's, you know, I think we're, we're, at a, we're at a point right now and I think, you know, everyone agrees that that first movie is very good and very well done and what they were able to do with the effects back then was insane. So I think just to do a remake would be a waste, but I think, you know, setting a movie in that canon is exciting. Definitely, because I think Hellraiser is um, just a universe that does lend itself to some really interesting stories that could be told. In it. There's, there's room for it to grow and develop on that front. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I feel like they... Well, it's crazy that Hulu's doing this because they also did Prey. Uh, and so I'm kind of thinking, like, I like that they're... they're I, I wonder if this is going to be their model because the new Alien movie seems similar as well where they're trying to not rewrite canon, not... Uh, Re, 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 you know, rebrand or reboot or remake. They're just trying to kind of, you know, tell other stories in that universe. I think that's that's great. I think that's that's a. I, I hope other studios take note. Other ones who have properties, uh, <clears throat> Halloween, uh, maybe maybe stop remaking or uh, you know re, redoing the uh, the canon of, of stories and just kind of you know write ones that you know are adjacent to them essentially. Because um, mm-hmm. I you know I'm hoping that this one ends with something that allows us to um, continue the story maybe in a not ridiculous way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to maybe tell another side story. But, you know, also have... I mean, there's it. always going to be people who want to open up the Lament configuration, so... Yeah. it's good. Mm-hmm. Like, my, my only worry with it is that if, you know, kind of like with the Predator movies, is that there needs to be some consequence to a degree, I think, if they decide to continue the series after this one, in the sense that, like, yeah, you can just do a bunch of side stories, but eventually it's just going to be, okay, a bunch of side stories. What's the... What's the... Yeah, and some of them be good, some of them be not so good, so... There needs to be something that builds towards. Yeah, so hopefully they'll build. They'll be able to, you know, create a standalone film that also could build into something else. Because mm-hmm. you know, I feel like yeah. the cool thing is that I always was really interested in with Hellraiser was exploring more of Hell and more exploring more of um, I can't remember what their names are. The different characters um, that uh, you know they, they they mentioned in the first couple movies. They talk about these other characters. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm, ex- I'm excited. I'd like to see them uh, show more of that going on. Uh, and they, they try to do that in some of the later movies, the Auditor and stuff in, the, in Hellraiser Judgment. But I would love to see more of like exploring Hell and what it is and what it's like for the, in this universe. Yeah, definitely. All right, sounds good. Well, um, I don't know. Do we want to go ahead and reveal a little bit of our plans for yeah, take, Halloween? Take it away. Yeah. So uh, currently right now, and this was Andrew's idea, so I'm going to give full credit to him because I am not nearly as creative uh, but we have uh, three reboots coming on out in the Halloween of October of 2022. Uh, Jeepers Creepers uh, Reborn, which has already come out, and I'm sure it sucks. <laughs> Hellraiser is coming out after October. And then finally, of course, we have to finish it off. We have to watch Halloween Ends. So we'll definitely do an episode on all those three as well. Uh, it is going to be our reboot. What, what a great As name. we're going on through. And of course, we've got other things coming along the side as well. But uh, definitely, you know, if you have any interest in us uh, doing a horror movie, please go ahead and message us. We're on Facebook and Instagram. And you can go ahead and send us a message and we will get to it. Hopefully sooner rather than later. I'm so sorry, the guy with the Poughkeepsie tapes. <laughs> I'm so, so sorry. It took two years to get to that episode, but uh, that's that. Well, thank you so much to our opening band. That is Teddy's Atlas with the Son Horror Movie Story. You can get that off the album Children of the Corn. They are good, good Canadian boys. And that's all we got for you today. Stay groovy. Bye.